welcome to the Macabre Emporium. Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. We are back. For episode five of Macabre Emporium podcast. Yes. So hopefully you've enjoyed this journey along with us so far at this point. And we kind of have an announcement that we have for you in case you aren't in our Facebook group. Yes. We have decided that we have become a little bit more comfortable with the whole process. So our big announcement is that we are going to try and move on to releasing episodes weekly. Weekly! Yay! Now we almost sound like a real podcast since we're going to be doing weekly. <laughs> <laughs> We're a real boy now. Yeah. Um, if we start to feel like the quality of the episode is starting to slip at any point, um, we're probably going to scale it back to either maybe only doing three episodes a month or go back to our bi-weekly episode release until we can get things figured out. So this week we're going to wander away from our true crime and go into a new area. We're going to do some cryptids for you this week. And I, an urban legend. Well, yep. So I have two cryptids because... They're both quite interesting ones, kind of well-known. I guess I know I'm breaking the rule, but there's reasons behind I broke it. But you did, you, you to be fair, you only said that we're not going to be doing the big six, uh, like, serial killers. That's true, but I don't know, it might be because of some cryptids. I mean, I'm not doing Mothman. Or, well, yeah. I mean, we're not doing Mothman, I'm not doing Bigfoot, or Bigfoot-type-esque, because Indiana does have basically a sasquatch legend but what state doesn't right sasquatch it's a sasquatch julian <laughs> anyhow we're gonna start with you doing one of your cryptids right and then i'm gonna read my urban legend and then you're gonna finish it off with another cryptid right now i did find some information on both of these that can basically debunk them but it's still interesting to see because cryptids basically were born out of people not knowing what things are so stupidity yeah i guess you could say that <laughs> uh, you gotta remember saying they're not as knowledgeable as we are now as they were in the past yeah so i'm going to be starting off with a lesser known one i didn't know this thing existed until i started looking into cryptids it's called the crawfordsville monster and i'm also doing the beast of busco the beast of busco yeah it sounds kind of like something you can get up from Taco Bell almost. <laughs> the Beast of Busco something Can I get a Beast of Busco with extra sour cream? Oh, maybe not Taco Bell because it would have something Rito on the end of it. Oh, God. Not all of them do. Buscarito. <laughs> yeah. Why I chose Beast of Busco, even though it's kind of fairly well known, is because you've seen the signs. Yeah for Turtle Town, USA, and you don't know it, so that's why I decided to do it, even though it's a pretty well-known cryptid. I've never heard of it. you never heard of it? Nope. Well, you're going to find out about why Churubusco is Turtle Town, USA. Also, I'm excited to hear about it because it's home to my favorite ever McDonald's. <laughs> you know, I had that in my script about making comment about that, but I knew you were going to do it before we even got oh, it once man. I mentioned Churubusco. So so let's break that down for a second. So we, actually, let's wait and hold that off till we get to... Oh, we're doing that one last? Yeah. I'm going to make oh. you wait. 
anticlimactic. Okay. Anyhow, yeah. let's get started. Okay. Before, you know, Lugosi or Salem decide to jump up on our shop counter again instead of doing their duties and keeping the rodents out of the merchandise here. They're on mouse patrol and they suck at it. Yeah, lazy fucks. <laughs> Anyhow. In recent years, we have all have heard the term fake news more and more recently. With social media, fake news has become more prevalent in our lives. In earlier times, fake news was generally taken as real news and will cause panic as the stories become better known in faraway cities. Today, I'm bringing you the tale of a cryptid that is precisely just that, the Crawfordsville monster. Where is Crawfordsville? Crawfordsville is here in Indiana, and it's about 50 oh. miles northwest of Indianapolis which is about three and a half hours away from us. It was founded in 1834. Crawfordsville has a population of 16,000 people today, as the last U.S. Census Bureau that I could find on record showed. It was in 1890 when this atmospheric cryptid known as the Crawfordsville monster was first spotted. In the early morning hours of September 5th, 1891, two ice mongers, which it's salesmen from ice basically. Right. Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray were preparing their ice wagon for their day's work. They both would have this overwhelming sense of dread as they described it, and when they looked up in the sky, that's when they saw the monster. They recalled it would to be about 300 to 400 feet in the air above them just hovering. Um, they were so scared by this sight that they ran and took shelter in a nearby, nearby barn and observed it flying in a circle around a house before it flew off to the east. So this is a flying thing? Yes, this is a fly atmospheric is in the air. I must have missed that, okay. About two hours before Gray and McIntyre are seeing the monster, Reverend G.W. Switzer of the Methodist Church here in Crawfordsville had gotten up in the middle of the night to get a drink of water from the church as well. He would get a strange feeling as he'd look up and he'd spotted the monster in the glow of the electric lights. I'm presuming that these would probably be street lights at this time. Just because at the time, you know, this is the middle of the night. Not many people are going to be probably up with their lights on or right. even have their house electrified yet at this point. Right. Switzer called to his wife to come out and see the monster with him. The minister described his encounter with the monster as being at least 16 feet long and 18 feet wide and moving flowing like a drapery or swimming through the air from the southeast. After a few minutes of observing the monster, the reverend and his wife returned to bed as they grew tired again. Several hundred residents also spotted this monster with similar descriptions, that, descriptions the nights following the first two. Some of the other descriptions that com were compiled for the description of the Crawfordsville monster are anywhere between 8 to 20 feet in length, 8 feet wide, no real definitive shape, moving with several pair of fins, white in color, a giant red eye. No a singular giant red a eye? A singular giant red huh. eye. No distinguishable face or tail. Wheezing type sound from an invisible mouth. Weird. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a video I'm going to show you here after I go through all this. Okay. So try and remember some of all those details. Okay. Uh, newspapers across the country are starting to take notice of this story as far as east as Brooklyn, New York, and to the west as St. Louis. Reports of the monsters created believers. One cult known as the Millerites claimed it to be a sign of the end of the world. It's always the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, because everything that has no real explanation is, it's the end times. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a lot for us to bash because they're wackadoodles. <laughs> 
A woman in St. Louis became so worried she started writing letters wanting to know if it can be seen during daytime hours, its color, migration pattern, and if it's even been spotted anywhere in Ohio. And reading some of the news articles, I couldn't find anything else about this. Like, all of them, that's all I said is about this lady in Ohio. That's it? She's the only one that was like, hey, what the fuck was that? Uh, Yeah, because, but they never describe what her reasoning was. They wanted to know about Ohio so damn bad. My guess is probably family lived there. Even though the Reverend could account for everything that he saw, Professor Robert Burton of the Keeley Institute of Inebriate sends letters to the editor of the Crossville Daily Journal. Now, the first time I read the name of this place, it sounds like a very fancy way of saying halfway house for alcoholics. The inebriate, yeah. Yeah. The Institute of Inebriates, you know, super fancy in 1800s language. In his letters, he was saying that Reverend Switzer is delusional and needed treatment for his intoxicants of his optic nerves. What? Yeah, he was saying that the Reverend was hallucinating because his eyes were drunk, basically. Wow, he yeah. must have drank really heavily. <laughs> well, being a reverend... Even my eyes are drunk. <laughs> being a reverend, I highly doubt that was the case. But, you know, people of, of faith, doctors, anybody with a credible um, like reputation of some sort, profession or whatever, where usually when they're attached to stories like this, the people tend to believe them more. It's like, oh, he's a doctor. He's, he's not going to be crazy. He's going right. to, you know. Um, so that's kind of like when you're reading paranormal stories, if there's anything like that more than likely it's a bullshit story uh with like the guys over at dark windows they yeah. have on their patreon that occasionally they'll do um based off of art bell's uh, factor crap i think is what he called it uh-huh. um he'd have people call in with either a true story or oh no that it was called truth or trash is what it was called he like people would call in with either a true story or a fake story and then he'd open the the phone lines to you know, the other listeners like, oh, that's truth, that's trash. And then the caller would finally reveal if it was truth or trash. Huh. Those are actually some of the quite few episodes that were quite interesting to listen to. But anyhow, getting off track here, because, you know, I could talk about him for, like, ever. I know. With most cryptids, there may or may have not been a rational explanation for their existence. For the Crawford's Real Monster, there actually is one. Two local men follow a large flock of the hundreds of species of birds called killdeer. Killdeer are brown with a white belly now i did look into this trying to find a video of flock of killdeer in flight but i wasn't able to find one because according to nature works on pbs its website killdeer are solitary birds or paired mates meaning these birds will most likely were identified as the quote-unquote crawfordsville monster okay there is another bird that does fly in somewhat of a pattern of what the crawfordsville monster has been used as a description starlings oh but so i'm going to show you a video a little bit of a video of the a migration fight okay. flight of starlings and when you're watching this keep in mind of what the description of the crawford's monster is okay so approximately you know eight to 20 feet in length could be anywhere to eight feet wide no definitive shape as they couldn't tell that those were birds. You gotta remember, this was in the middle of the night when this happened. So they're only gonna catch little bits and pieces of it in the light. I'm gonna po- share this YouTube link too for the video that I'm having Sarah watch right now for anybody else that wants to see it. Now but also, if it's just birds, where did the one singular red eye come from? That one part I haven't gotten to yet. I just wanted you to see this video with the description. I mean, it's of cool. It. But Our also, like cool. the Reverend said, it flows like a drapery. 
Uh huh. Yeah, I can then see that. Then you see it now. Yeah. So that's why I chose this video so you can see it. Okay. It's cool. So. I dig it. You can leave it playing. Okay. Well, hopefully it doesn't. Audio doesn't keep playing, or you get straight mesmerized by it too much. It is cool. Okay, go on. All right. So now that you've watched that, you can see why I said a flock of starlings could really be why Crawfordsville monster was this. Yeah, because if they're flying close together, I mean, it is really thick. Yeah, and, then, and dark. Like, like several, fl- uh, you know. Also, that's what she said. Sorry. <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> but the several pairs of fins, wings, basically, uh-huh. and the the sound probably. We've heard starling flocks and trees, so that's yeah. what it kind of sounds like. Um, starlings usually are more active during dusk in their mermation display, as in the video I just watched, which, like I said, I'm going to share this link so anybody curious to see can see it, too. Usually when they do this flight pattern, this is before they bed down for the night, but my my opinion would be just because of environmental changes in the 1890s because of electric lights, probably could have confused the flock of starlings that it's daytime or dusk because that's normally when they make this type of flight. Right. So that would be my unprofessional opinion. I guess you could say what the Crawfordsville monster was as a flock of starlings. I mean, it it is really mesmerizing. Yeah. I probably should turn this off because you're like not really paying attention. I think I am. I'm listening (laughs) to everything you're saying. All right. But yeah, that's distracting because it's so cool. All right. So yeah, I'm going to close that now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Out of curiosity, like I was curious if there might have been a Mothman festival, or like with the other one, there's Turtle Days. Uh-huh. If there was a Crawfordsville Monster Festival, unfortunately, there is not. Oh, one, but there is a artist on Spotify. He goes by the name of Raincoat, and to find him you have to have the ellipsis the three periods on the end that's his name is raincoat with the three periods on the end the majority of their songs are all named after cryptids there is one called the crawfordsville monster and there is also one called the beast of busco beast of busco (laughs) and there is also a brewing company in crawfordsville that has paid tribute to this cryptid called with a imperial stout beer Imperial Stout beer is dark in color and has a high alcohol high alcohol content of over nine percent. Jesus. So that's a little bit about the Cross Crawfordsville monster, even though there's not a whole lot of information on him. But I just thought it was interesting because that I is never, interesting. Never really I've heard never of him. ever once heard that. Not once. In neither one of the stories that you're gonna do. Yeah. Not heard of either one or one well, or either one or of them. Well, I'm sure you're super excited about the the second one there. Yes, I can dish about this McDonald's experience. Yeah. But yeah, you're gonna have to wait just a little bit longer on dishing out this McDonald's experience. We keep hinting at it might not be as exciting to them as it was for us. Oh my of, god, it was great for me. Yeah, it was one of those you had to be there moments, but we're gonna share it anyway. Yeah. So. I am doing an urban legend. Okay. Comes out of Michigan. Go right. figure. I know you had said that you had heard of this before. Mm-hmm. I've not seen this anywhere on any of the podcasts that I listen to. Right. Well, you listen to more true crime <clears throat> podcasts. That's that's true. So I went for it anyways. If right. you've already heard it, oh well. You'll have to wait for the McDonald's experience at the end. <laughs> oh, at the end or in the middle, we'll see when it, when it happens. Yeah. Uh. So there's not... A lot of information out there mm-hmm. about this case, but I think there's enough to kind of make a scene 
What was that? Goes to the Emporium. Oh. I mean, we do have a lot of old stuff around here. There might be some attachments I to know, it. and you're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Had to piggyback off of the, well, the, the birthday the, episode. Well, the, you know, a ghost catcher is currently asleep right now. Yes, he is. <laughs> so there's a story out of southwest Michigan. It's in the Saugatuck or Holland area. I know you would know Holland over the other, correct? I've heard of it, but I've never been there. Well, we'll have to go at least once. I want to go to the Tulip Festival there. No. But anyways, it's about a group of feral beings with small childlike bodies and alien-like heads. Okay. Like just large, so, large domes. So are they like shaped like the traditional gray alien, the super skinny body with the inverted egg-shaped head, basically? Uh... It doesn't say anything about okay. egg-shaped head. Well, it's just, I, I'm just trying to describe what the gray aliens no. you know, look like. And the small bodies is just because they're like the size of children. Okay. But I don't know about the egg-shaped head. Just no. they have large heads. Oh, just going by off with what you were saying. That... Oh, I don't know. I don't know. In 1929, there was a mansion owned by Dor Felt. Dor. D-O-R-R. Never heard that name. But it was owned by him and his family... The family chose to sell their estate to a seminary for boys in 1949. From there, the seminary supposedly built an asylum or what they called a hospital mm-hmm. um, behind it, which they, they okay, so they, they referenced it as a hospital, but called it Junction Insane Asylum. Okay. Yeah. Um, the children that were in the care of the doctor, or as some reference him, the scientist, within Junction were experimented on as a means of curing them of their ailments. And now all you can think of is that this guy is like in a white lab coat with the goggles and bald <laughs> because he's calling him a scientist. I don't know why it popped up in the... I mean, you never know. Why? I didn't see any photos of the Why dude, the description so... of a man, the, the common man scientist popped in my head? But anyhow. <laughs> so the ailment that these children happened to suffer from was mm-hmm. hydrocephalus okay do you know what that is so water on the brain correctly yes which causes the head to enlarge okay for those not familiar with this condition to simplify it means that there's excess fluid on the brain which gives the head a more prominent look than quote unquote normal heads hence the name melon heads this is what these okay. these were called this condition also leads to Pressure on the brain, obviously, because of the the water pressing down on the brain, which then in in turn is going to cause just a plethora of other abnormalities. Back when this tale originated, we didn't have the technology or the resources resources available for this condition that we do now. So back then, this led to experimentation, which undoubtedly caused even further problems. Like, you just saying that, like, this reminds me, it's like how people are like, oh, the... You know, talking about the good old days, I wish I still lived there. No, you don't. I mean, this is one of those <laughs> ex- examples right. of it, you know. The past was a shitty place. Agreed. It might seem better because you're remembering the good parts of it. You're not remembering all the bad parts of it and all the advancements of it. Like children being tortured as experiments. Yep. The patients reportedly were physically and mentally abused on top of having the experiments performed on them. The children became hateful of anyone who didn't look the way they did, which would have been a lot of people because mm, hydrocephaly wasn't really a lot back then. And in these times, a lot of people with disabilities would be, you know, shipped off 
to these kind of places to quote unquote be forgotten basically yeah you're not gonna get me started on that i know <laughs> it's you're gonna if i get you started on that it's gonna be like me in the halloween episode needing a big ass for a note that says do not start you know yeah. a, a rant yeah they became incredibly hostile towards the doctor that was treating them which is no surprise because i wouldn't be too friendly that somebody was torturing me like they were right uh it said that they they basically went from children to like wild beings on mm-hmm. this guy. Once the hospital was forced to close, the children had nowhere to go. So together they turned on the doctor, beating him, killing him, and then eating him before escaping into the woods around the felt mansion. It's so weird that like my life has been like surrounded by cannibalism in the last couple of weeks. Because <laughs> so the two, you know, the two main shows I listen to, Dark Windows and Time Suck both had cannibal related episodes the past week mm-hmm. if you can't beat him you get him i guess okay look there we go now we're <laughs> quoting you know fake ass jeffrey Dahmer quotes uh, yeah so the melon heads took over the tunnels below ground as their means of like hiding travel and to use it as like a vantage point for anybody that mm-hmm. happens to be coming nearby um so that they could use it and pop out to attack whoever came close to them They started to branch out and leave the tunnels and into the surrounding woods to carry out more brutal attacks while waiting within the shadows. This tale has been told in numerous ways for centuries, even even spreading out and entering Ohio and Connecticut, which has similar versions, though Michigan is where it originated. Okay. Some that have tried to dig up history on the subject have come to find that the asylum set behind the Felt Mansion never actually existed. Documents found state that after it was a seminary and then it became a police station and ultimately a prison after that okay others claim that all of the asylum talks was legitimate there was even a horror movie about this in 2001 called da 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 the Melonheads. i've never heard of it my guess would have been like the hills have eyes just because of how they're saying they're feral even though they were inbred in that movie <laughs> yeah, you know, it's difference. kind of like how Ed Gein or Ed Gein, you know, I gotta mm-hmm. throw it either way. I know, yeah, most people know it as Ed Gein. Um, was the inspiration for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah, you know, Leatherface, yep. So, the remains that once stood as an asylum, seminary, police station, and prison are long gone. The Felt Mansion closed its doors for a while, but was bought by Lakeland Township in 1995 and registered as a historic place. It has been reopened and is now a tourist attraction, actually offering tours within. There are still thrill-seekers that go out on the property at night hoping to encounter the Melonheads. Some say they feel that they're being watched. Some say they have seen their glowing eyes. I don't know where the glowing eyes came from. Um, well, depending on what's around it, it could be roadway markers. Mm, maybe. You know, like on the side of the highway, yeah. designating curve, the highway marker, reflective highway markers, probably what they're seeing. Uh, never Deep in the woods, though, I oh, doubt it. Oh, deep in the woods. Or, you know, some local, you know, fucking with people, put, you know, driveway markers on a fucking tree. Could be. It's like. You never know. Others say that they feel and see nothing out of the ordinary. We'll probably never know for sure, and I'm 100% okay with that, because the thought of Former tiny kids with glowing eyes and giant heads running around in the shadows and attacking people is beyond the scope of shit I'm willing to experience firsthand. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's that's yeah. that. Like, do you think it's plausible? Probably for a short time, but not like to this day. Because I mean, one, they're gonna grow up into adults. 
to and if well, the hydrocephalus uh-huh. is probably left untreated, it probably could be fatal. Uh-huh. You know, so. I personally don't think it's plausible. Um, if you've ever seen pictures of children that have, like, severe hydrocephaly, their heads are so heavy that they can't right. hold them up. So the thought of them, like, running around and, like, being out in the woods and fending for themselves right. when their neck can't even, you know, support the weight of their head. I, right. It's like I, I was saying, so. being left untreated, it can be fatal. So then the possibility of growing up to be adults or even. Yeah. Do they ever say how old these children were supposed to be? Nope. Okay. Just children. So I'm assuming, I would assume that it's, I mean, technically children is anything under 18. Right. But when I think children, I think, like, 10 and under. Right. And not like preteen and teen. Right. It's but basically like anywhere from between toddler age and twelve years old. Yeah. Anything prepube. That's it. Short and sweet. Yeah. But yeah, I had never seen this anywhere, so I was like, huh. Wonder if I'm sure people have heard about it. But right. like I said, I don't care. Right. So kind of like I do too, but you know, since we're kind of bending the rules on this one, because you know we wanted to branch out into. Something a little bit different from our weird history and true crime. Yeah. And we will from time to time shake it up. Right. You know, because, you know, gotta get out of that comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, A little buddy. bit. So you're ready to hear about the Beast of Busco? Beast of Busco. Can I please tell the McDonald's story first? Or do I have to wait till the very end of no. this story? <laughs> no, I mean, there's a part of my, you know, okay. notes here. Okay. Then I'm, we'll, sure, we'll oh, go. I'm sure you'll find, you'll know when... <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. So, the Feast of Busco. Now, like I said at the beginning of our episode, that we didn't really plan on doing some well-known topics. Well, I'm kind of breaking this rule for Sarah, uh, because where the Beast of Busco takes place at is in Truro, Busco, Indiana, which we travel through quite frequently to go visit visit her sister that lives down in the Fort Wayne area. Yep. And uh, when you first come in to Truro, Busco, you see the giant concrete turtle and and on their sign that says welcome to Churubusco says Turtle Town USA yep. and so I'm sure you've always been curious why there's this I have yeah because it's not near like a body of water or right. anything <laughs> yeah it's just weird that out in the middle of nowhere Indiana there's this giant concrete turtle it's probably eight to ten feet tall is my yeah, it's, guess it's pretty big but we never gotten out to really look at it yeah it might be smaller I don't know um so Churubusco Indiana is about 16 miles to the northwest of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Churubusco has a population of approximately 1,800 people currently. Churubusco was founded in 1847 after the two towns of Union and Franklin, Indiana merged together after their populations had grown large enough for a post office to be listed from the Postmaster General. Uh, the Postmaster General ordered them that they would have to apply for this joint post office, though it wasn't going to issue for both. Um, before this, they would have to make the trip of 11 miles one way to Columbia City, Indiana to get their mail. And in this oh time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So at this time, we're talking about horse and buggy by foot, horseback, whatever. That's a long way to go. Yeah. To go get your uh, Sears catalog this time to buy a new, to build a new house. That's the distance I drive to work every day. And it's about the same for me, too. Yeah. So yeah, thinking about walking that maybe once a week every other day or whatever just to go get your you know your mail wonder if they had junk mail Ooh, spam mail i don't know junk mail like we do now huh maybe i might have to look into that <laughs> let's see when did junk mail first start showing up anyhow the postmaster denied 
either name to be used eventually because Union and Franklin, Indiana already existed and established post office. Uh-huh. Um, so they decided to combine Union and Franklin together to make Churubusco. Churubusco was suggested by a local school teacher as it would be a patriotic fit because at this time when this was going on in Churubusco, the Mexican-American War was going on over recognizing boundaries of the state of Texas, if I remember correctly. Okay. So the Battle of Churubusco, it was just won by the United States military at this time. So that's where they came up with this idea of it being patriotic. Um, one of some of the sources said that this school teacher's family member fought in the Battle of Churubusco, basically. Huh. That's why they suggested it. And now, so Churubusco is home of the most angriest McDonald's patron I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Me too. It's my favorite McDonald's. And I swear, I say it every time we go by. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you, We're approaching you, and you see the McDonald's sign and I'm like, oh, there's my favorite McDonald's. Or I tell you that here it comes or whatever. But anyhow, so. <laughs> so, yeah, we were on our way to my sister's house and happened to stop at this McDonald's to just grab a hamburger and fries just to put something in our bellies before we had dinner later on. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there trying to get out. I will say that their, like, parking lot entrance mm-hmm. is really stupid. Right. It's super narrow. Well, not only is it narrow, that you can, I can't see lines for shit in the R- first place. Right. And this dude in this, ti- this big dude in this tiny little car tries to turn left into the McDonald's as we're trying to turn left back out onto the road. So he's sitting there in the turn lane <laughs> waiting to go left. We're sitting in our turn lane waiting to go left. And he is throwing a holy fucking tantrum. He's slamming his fists on the steering wheel. (laughs) And just, you can see him screaming. I wish I could have heard what he was saying. Oh, he was probably calling me everything that you fucking could. Just (laughs) because, you know, I didn't leave him like 90 feet to get his little tiny ass car in between my truck and the fucking curb at the time. Yeah, it was a a very tiny car. But yeah, he was just having a, a holy fit. Slamming his fist down on the steering oh, wheel yeah. and, and the, screaming and grabbing the steering wheel and like shaking him, himself back and forth. Yeah, like his intensity of anger could be measured by how much his car was shaking. <laughs> it was, and he had more than enough room, yes, more than enough room yes, to get yes, that car did. in between my truck and the yes, curb. Yes, he did. Anyhow, and or, he decided or, to, or just, he could have used the back fucking entrance that we saw after we pulled in there. Yeah. But he decided to sit there and keep having a fit as giant empty space went by, you know, and he could have easily turned in numerous times and you got sick of waiting on him to turn in. So you were like, fuck it and pulled out in front of him. And that made him even more mad. (laughs) But yeah, so anytime we go past there, I'm like. That's all I can see is that dude having a fit in his car, <laughs> yeah. shaking the shit out of that car. Yeah. One of these times, we're going to have to stop at that place that called Magic Wand across the street just because yes. I love that fucking neon sign that they have. I know front. you do. I have made mention of stopping there a couple times and we just don't. I know. Because by the time we get home, we've already eaten dinner. Yeah. But yeah. So that's the, the McDonald's incident in Churubusco. Yeah. yeah. I know it might not be as exciting to you guys as it is for us, but you know, it's oh one my- of those... God, it was hilarious. It's one of those, you had to be there, dude, kind of things. So, he was mad. Yeah. That boy wanted a fucking burger so bad. It's like, calm down. The McDonald's and the pies aren't going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah. So let's get back on the track here with the Beast of Busco. Yes. He was the Beast of Busco. Maybe that's who it really was. 
can you imagine if he listens to this and he's like, those goddamn oh. assholes. Hey, maybe we might finally get an email. <laughs> not, not one we want, though. But hey, it'll be your first email and we're going to frame it and put it on our wall. Hey, I'm the giant bitch that had a fit because I couldn't get into the McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> you guys are assholes and your podcast sucks. It'll be, a little, it'll be like those restaurants that use the one-star Yelp reviews as their <laughs> yes. advertisements on the shirts. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. That'd be great. <laughs> it reminds me of another one that Kevin told me about for their show. was, it was I think it was a three- or one-star review that they got and said, tried it once and didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> tried it once. <laughs> <laughs> from what from remember, that's all he said it was. It was tried it once, didn't like it. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Okay, anyhow, let's get back to it. All right. The Beast of Busco was originally spotted in 1898 when farmer Oscar Fulk had seen a giant turtle in the lake on his farm but eventually dropped it as the locals figured it was just Fulk trying to bring excitement to this sleepy little town in Indiana. Yeah. The Beast of Busco, or Oscar, as he got as a nickname later on after the name of the original lake's owner, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to refer to the Beast of Busco as Oscar from probably here on out. Okay. Just to make it easier on my narration for you. Yeah. The Beast didn't get the name Oscar until 1948, originally. And this is where the next sighting of Oscar originally happened. Okay. Um, Oscar was, you know, first originally spotted in 1898, and then it was spotted again in 1948, by two men that were fishing the same lake that became known as Folk Lake at this time, named after the original owner. Uh, these two fishermen said they had seen a turtle that weighed at least 500 pounds and the head was huge. That's They didn't say how big the head is. Some huh. um, That'd be a big-ass turtle. Yeah. Gail Harris, who now owns the farm in 1947, had heard of the tales of the giant turtle, but didn't really pay attention to them until seeing Oscar himself in 1948, as well in the early fall when he was helping a minister repair a roof. The minister had pointed out something moving across the lake at first. The handyman duo just ignored it and went on their work until they noticed it swimming again in the opposite direction the next day. Mm-hmm. Now, I know what a turtle looks like. You know what a turtle looks like. The listeners know what a turtle looks like, so... I would hope. Oscar was, like, mostly described by Harris to be as big as a kitchen table with the head of the size of a baby. Didn't say how many months, just the size of a baby. Probably just whatever comes pops in your head. There you go. That's how big Oscar's head's supposed to be. Was this, like, a tortoise or something? No. No, it wasn't possibly a tortoise because of the behavior that Oscar allegedly has that I'm going to get into okay. here later. And also, how big is a kitchen table? You know, I mean, yeah, they come in a wide variety of sizes. Yeah, so this could be considered a kitchen table. Yeah, which is we're using a standard size card table for our recording studio uh-huh. for the most part. If anyone's actually curious, because <laughs> we're super wealthy and we're a professional podcast. What are you talking about? Fuck yep. <laughs> but it was also said that Oscar was. Four feet wide and close to also five feet in length. So, yeah, I'm out of a kitchen uh-huh. table, which is approximately the size of our table. That would be a pretty giant turtle. Yeah. Um, Harris would go send his son, Vaughn, to go get the rest of the family, while Harris got in a rowboat and attempted to get closer and grab him by the tail. But Oscar heaved himself out of the water, flipping over Harris's boat, forcing him to grab onto a tree nearby, Dang. as, you know, the, the story goes of Oscar. 
The hunt for Oscar the Giant Turtle didn't really gain traction until 1949 after a Fort Wayne newspaper sent the story out over the Associated Press Newswire. Um, I think it was called UPI at the time, Mm -hmm. but Associated Press is basically the same thing. Um, While Churubusco and the Beast are getting national attention, locals are trying to capture Oscar the Turtle with different methods. Gail Harris was also concerned with not hurting Oscar as well, so Harris had it in his head that he was going to get that turtle but trying not to injure him. Right. In a six-month period, thousands of people would come to Churubusco to either capture Oscar, in, well, in an attempt to capture Oscar, or just out of curiosity of, you know, hearing the story of the, you know, the Beast of Busco and everything. They had to call the state police, keep everyone under control, and uh, direct trafficking Churubusco, which, you know. Wow. And that town is so tiny. Well, I mean, we really haven't seen a lot of Churubusco other than the, down the main strip. But Okay, you know. the downtown area is so tiny, so I right. can't imagine this, the city itself being very right. big. By May of 1949... The interest in Oscar is starting to fade, but Harris decided that he wasn't going to give up on trying to capture this giant turtle that became named Oscar by this point. Uh-huh. Um, some of the methods that they tried to capture Oscar the turtle with, but they all failed, were making a short trap with stakes and chicken wire. Do you know what a sh- how a short trap works? No. Um, basically, is you mark off an area using like indigenous or usually use this method mostly, so they would put out stakes and netting. In with the tide, so the fish would be funneled into it, but they wouldn't swim back out, so they could oh, just okay. go wade through the water and pick the fish up, basically. Yep. Uh, so they tried doing that at first, using a shore trap to capture Oscar, but he broke through the chicken wire. And they also made another trap a out of steel pipe and chain link fence, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, he broke through that as well, too. Well, yeah, being that big, that's like a boat trying to come through. Yeah. <laughs> And like there wasn't really a whole timeline on exactly when all these traps were used, but it's a lot of the stuff that I found. Mm-hmm. So I'm just listing them off. They hired professional deep sea divers to walk the bottom of the lake, but they stopped due to equipment failure on one diver, and another one got stuck in chest deep lake muck. So Ooh. he called off for his own personal safety. Right. And they also had hired an airplane in to fly over the lake to maybe spot Oscar the turtle from the sky. Um, allegedly one of them lassoed Oscar's leg. Some accounts say they kind of hooked the shell with a, uh, grappling hook, but he was starting to swamp the boat, so they let him go. Ooh, yeah. They also tried using a female turtle to lure him out after, uh, two men from Indianapolis tried to claim that they caught Oscar, come to find out that it was a female sea turtle instead, so they got the idea, hey, why don't we use a, sea- a female turtle to lure him out but if they don't know the species of turtle that oscar is supposed to be so wait they claimed that they had gotten oscar yeah so two men but it wound up being a sea turtle yep that they purchased and brought up here okay i was like they're they sea turtles wouldn't survive up here yeah well technically they could they have to be in salt water yeah but they you know they try to use this sea turtle to try and say yo we caught oscar trying to cash in on you know cash in on the Instant fame. Yeah. In the last attempt to prove Oscar's existence, Harris starts to drain the Seven Anchor Lake. But so this would draw new attention into, you know, finding Oscar so the crowds would return to the Churubusco again. But he would start charging a fee this time to help pay for the pumping and the loss of his crops due to onlookers since he was a farmer and this was on his farm. Yeah. After thousands of people, including celebrities and senators, gathered around the lake in hopes to see Oscar, which they never did. But according to the story of the Beast of Busco on October 13th of 1949, 
This is when approximately like 2,000 curious onlookers would get their wish as Oscar would appear by leaping out of the water to feast on a live duck set on a trap. Okay. Now, I have not once in my life seen a video of the internet of a turtle jumping out of water or on dry land or mm, whatever. Snapping turtles. Well, maybe. I'm and they can get pretty big. It's true. Um, from what it sounds like, that may or may not what Oscar could possibly be. Yeah. Uh, the muck-covered lake was an Oscar's favor because this lake muck was wearing out and breaking down Gail Harris's pump in his tractor, stressing it out that he was using to drain the 2,000 gallons out of the seven-acre lake. Uh-huh. In the period that he started doing this, if I remember correctly, I forget, it's been in my notes, pretty sure it said that it was in September when he started doing this. He got it drained oh. down to one acre. Dang. Yeah. In a month. Well, over time... Basically, because he was draining this lake. Well, yeah, he was still draining the lake until about December, oh, okay. November, December, I think it was. I just assumed because you said October 13th. Oh, well, October 13th is when Oscar made his appearance. Okay. Allegedly. I got you. Um, so after his pump and his tractor breaks down, um, he would then hire a dredging crane to dredge the bottom of the lake mm. now i mentioned this once before in the halloween episode about the protestants when i accidentally used the word dredge oh yeah so do you know what dredging is exactly not not okay really, so no. dredging so you ever heard the term dredging the lake or dredging the river basically is that they scrape all the crap off the bottom okay yeah, yeah all yeah. the extra shit that's not supposed to be there like sediment whatnot yeah it's basically used to clear out waterways to for in larger areas so they may okay. or may not dredge like the bottom of the Mississippi so ships can pass through safely uh, for the quick example well he's still trying to drain out the lake and he's dredging it also um, he ends up Gail Harris ends up getting an appendicitis so everything's put on hold till he gets better uh, by the time he ends up getting well enough to continue searching for Oscar the lake has been refilled by rainwater oh, snowfalls no. and stuff like that he finally decides to call off the search and claiming Oscar won at this point. In some of the videos I watch, his, fam- his surviving family, like, they didn't really talk about this. They kind of consider it as a black mark, but they're like, our grandfather's integrity was too great to make something up. So if he said he saw something, he saw something. Uh-huh. They, his family believed that him stressing out trying to find this turtle is what killed him, unfortunately. I, I couldn't find anything could, on Find a Grave that. about it. Uh, Jerry Busco did decide to claim the title turtle town usa because of this like the local okay. businesses and were serving up turtle soup and turtle everything down there for this point like and now they identify as turtle town usa like i said yep um they have a three-day festival held in the earlier part well maybe the middle of june and probably it's the second or third week of june called turtle days down there and it's one of the longest running festivals in the state of indiana uh, it has all your usual carnival rides junk food alley stuff like that also an interesting thing one of the lo- the local historian for there we passed our office anytime we go to fort wayne do we yep so it's on one of the street corners oh. uh, he was actually 10 years old at the time when the hunt for oscar was happening and he recounted some of the stories that he heard about that how the beast of busco gave this small town in indiana some notoriety that he could possibly go anywhere in the United could possibly go anywhere in the United States and tell him you were from Churubusco and he'd say, Tell us about the giant turtle. Huh. So that's cool. I forget the name of the town. They believe that Oscar may or may have not used underground 
tunnel systems between lakes because another giant turtle was spotted 100 miles away in another Indiana town. That's a long way yeah, for a turtle so I, to I doubt. I doubt that's the case. <laughs> that um, is a very long way. And I also believe that Oscar could have been a snapping turtle, more mm. likely an alligator snapping turtle. Aww. But alligator snapping turtles are not indigenous to Indiana. But they could survive here. They could probably survive here and be an apex predator, mm-hmm. basically. Um, some of the, I looked into it, alligator snapping turtles shells can get up to 32 inches, depending on its age. Uh, the largest record, one on record is about 300 pounds. This huh? was in 1943. So their estimates could have, I mean... Right. Could have been way off. And I got a Google Street View out of curiosity because mentioning this roof, you know, and where the lake is, there is like, it didn't help that Google didn't help with their Google car. It didn't turn down this one street where this fucking house was. So I could see if I could see even the lake from the road in Uh the Google images, I'm going to guess that you probably could see the lake. The size of that turtle had to be to see the from the roof. Had to be the size of its kitchen table or also was a VW bug as also described. That's huh. how big Oscar was. But, you know, measurements. Because they couldn't get close enough, obviously, right. to like, like measure it. But then, you, you know, it's like one dude's catch a fish and they're like, I caught a fish this yeah, big and, and it was really this big. And that's big. basically what happened with the legend of Oscar, <laughs> basically. So I'm not wondering if that giant concrete statue is a, in a, a compilation of all the measurements and this is... It, it could be. You know, that's how they came up with the giant turtle statue that you first see when you come in for the North Senate Tour of Busco. Because it, say, yeah, about 500 pounds and yeah. as big as it is, it, it could be. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's the Beast of Muska. Oh, and one other thing about it was that I could only found it on one source. Uh-huh. Actually, no, I found it on two sources. That some of Gail Harris's attempts to stop Oscar from hiding was that he would dynamite the area to blow some of the lake muck out so he couldn't hide. But they also believe that him doing this possibly could have killed Oscar at the same time. Aww. If this giant turtle existed. That's sad. Yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. And also, there's a restaurant in Decatur, Indiana. We've passed it before. It's called Two Brothers. They have a turtle shell painted up in their bar restaurant. It says the Beast of Busco on it. I tried to find a picture of it. Oh, my goodness. But I couldn't find it. They may have taken it down. I don't know if they'd still have it up. Uh, Maybe next time we get on there, maybe we'd stop in there for dinner instead of going to our usual cater spot mm, i don't know that barbecue though uh, yeah, i know it's like we're just popping hey i want to see the beast of, beast of busco shell you got all got i want to go get pizza there uh monster and pizza yes. yes if you ever monster, find yourself famous monster pizza yeah. if you ever find yourself in decatur indiana and if soul pig is way too busy go to monster monster pizza famous monster famous pizza. monster pizza it's an all horror themed pizza parlor down there and they show the show classic horror movies on a big screen there all at the same time like all of the universal monsters that's mm-hmm. like their running theme yeah our first time that we had gone there it was the night it was before. the night of halloween was it mm-hmm. i thought it was the night before nope it was the night that, of all the staff was dressed dressed up in costume and they were showing a frankenstein 2000 i think from the 1970s yep, yep. and all the pizzas are named after the Hollywood monsters, like yes. we, we got the all meat that was called the Wolfman, obviously. Yep. So and I got that song in my head. Wolfman can't come. Yep. Yep. That's a good song. 
Mm-hmm. I know he posted the link to it in our Facebook group, and you should go listen to it if you yep. haven't. Give Reverend Payton the Big Damn Band some support. They are actually great to go see live. Even if you don't like country blues, Sarah thought they were kind of gimmicky until she saw it live. And the only, I did. And the only thing she said after she saw it was like, I get it now. Yeah, no, they were fantastic live. Mm-hmm. Like you had said, you had never seen somebody so fucking oh, yeah. happy to be doing right. what he was doing than that guy. Right. And yeah, no, it all, it, it felt right when I saw it all together. Yeah. But yeah, you know, he's got to be into, into some weird shit. Oh, I'm sure he is because it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird, y'all. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, no, do a shot every time the reverend says, weird, don't do that. You're going to die from alcohol poisoning. Anyways, <laughs> social medias. You can. We're not going to be super aggressive about it this week. Social media! No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're going to be serious about it now. Yeah. Oh, that's the clip. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, like we said last week, our website is now live. You can check it out at macabemporiumpodcast.com. You can join our Facebook group by searching Macabre Emporium. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube at Macabre Emporium Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Macabre Emporium. If you have any stories of the paranormal, your local true crime or weird history that you want us to look into and possibly do an episode on, email us at macabemporiumpod at gmail.com. Remember to follow, rate, share, like, wherever you can and help us grow our little podcast. Yes. Every little review reference you give somebody looking for podcasts, it helps us out a bit. And yep. Like checking our map to see where downloads are out of curiosity. It's surprising to see that we've actually gotten some international ones. I know some yeah. of the, I know some of the international ones, but I don't know any in Australia like I used to, like when I was playing Diablo three, like hardcore playing it. Like Nerd. I get Yeah. You know, like how when we were playing it, yeah. I was like that's how I was when it like it first came out. Good lord. Um I haven't talked to them in Eon, so I don't doubt it was them. Yeah. I don't even think I'm friends with them on Facebook anymore. But I was surprised to see, you know, the ones from Belgium and... England? You know, some of those I know who they are. Oh. Uh, but the one in Sweden, nope, no clue. Oh, yeah, we did get a Sweden so, yeah. listener. So we are, yeah, now technically an international podcast now. Ooh! <laughs> see, international see? dipshits of mystery. <laughs> see, I told you we're a professional podcast because we're in, right? So anyhow, Sarah, I'm thinking it might be time to close up the Emporium for today. I agree. And so until next time, remember to creep it real. Is he done? You want to go take a shit next? Maybe puke in, puke in the kitchen? <laughs> no, silence the puker for audio. He's, he's clawing in sticky beans. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start that over. Okay.